We're going we're to come to God's Word together uh, again, and we're going to continue to look at the life of David, and over the weeks we have been. What I found as I began to look at David's life, and as you look over his life, you see how, how God is just all over him, and God is just working in his life, how God provides for him, how God leads him, how God guides him, how God disciplines him, corrects him, restores him, redeems him, forgives him, and he just experiences God all over his life. And I believe it's because he had a heart that was after God. He desired in his heart just to please God, to do God's will. He made his life available for God. He said, God, here's my life, take it, use it. And he delighted to do God's will with his life as well. And God just, just moved in his life and, and brought him through so many things. And it's the same God that brought David through and did something in David's life that I believe he can do in your life and my life as well. David loved God. And this morning, I trust and believe that you will know the love of God in your life. And that would grow and increase as we look at his word together again. So we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel 18. And we're going to look at probably what would be one of the greatest uh, examples of friendship you'll find in the Bible. And that's the friendship between David and Jonathan. And uh, these days, you know, friendship can be so superficial. If you're on a Facebook, you'll have friends on Facebook. I'm sure there are many of those friends that you probably don't even know on Facebook. And friendship can be so superficial, but when we see how God intended it to be, and the friendship that we can find in God, it becomes so real, so deep, so meaningful, so life-changing. And when we look at David and Jonathan's friendship, we can see some comparisons and something of God in their friendship and relationship that we can find in God. And I'm sure many of you are aware of the song that we used to sing, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And I tell you, isn't it wonderful to call Jesus your friend and that Jesus would too, the privilege, he would say, we are his friends as we walk with him and can begin to know him. So as we look at David and Jonathan this morning, I, I, my prayer is, is that we would see the relationship that we can have with Jesus and how Jesus demonstrates that love and that loyalty and that faithfulness to us and how he too, in turn, we can find that in him. So let's read it together. 1 Samuel chapter 18. I'm going to read the first four verses. Now it came about, when he had finished speaking to Saul, that the son Saul of Jonathan, uh, that Saul, the son of, uh, sorry, that the Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as he loved himself. Saul took him that day and did not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. As we begin to look at the life of Jonathan and David, we'll see some connection there between them, you know, that David has in his life. And just remember the story where David had just uh, had defeated this great victory over Goliath in his life. You know, where there was fear, where there was intimidation that came against him, and he stood up in faith, trusting in God that God was going to bring in the victory. You know, when we move in a place of faith, we can see that we can overcome the fears in our life as we trust in God. God does not want us to be intimidated by the things of this world and the, or, or the intimidated by the coronavirus around us today. He wants us to be living in a place where we can trust totally in him. And David had this tremendous victory over Goliath. Then he, we find himself in the presence of King Saul and his son, Jonathan, who was a prince. Now, David didn't come into Saul's presence and say, right, move out the way, Saul, I'm next in king. I've just got the victory over Goliath. He didn't come in with pride or, or with arrogance. He came in with humility. 
And David just carried this humility because he knew that God won the battle for him. That the victory was all God's. That he couldn't do it without God. He carried this humility. And I find that in life that where there's humility, there will be opportunity for our lives. And David, although he had a great victory, he was about to enter into a season of his life that he would find that he needed God, but also God knew that he needed a friend. He needed somebody to stand by him, to strengthen him. But it's also going to be opportunities for him to enter into that he hadn't done before. New experiences where he'd begin to lead armies and victories and, and new, new experiences of life. Where there is humility, God will provide opportunities for us. But where there is pride, I believe that we can find the doors of opportunity can begin to shut in our life. Let's continue to remain and keep a humble of heart. That those doors of opportunity that God would have for us will remain open. That we'd rely upon him and keep our trust in God. Now there was some connection. It says that there was a bond between David and Jonathan. This wasn't just like an ordinary friendship. There was a strong bond and connection. And it says that Jonathan... Loved David as he loved himself. He loved him as he loved himself. The way he saw himself, the way he loved himself, he loved David as he loved himself. There was this great connection between him. In fact, you read in 2 Samuel, it says, uh, chapter 1, that David loved Jonathan. And he said, loved him more than he loved a woman. The love was so great. Now, it's important that we understand, as, as uh, some people sadly and, and wrongly uh, misinterpret the scripture and use it to, to satisfy their own desires in their life and relate this to some sexual or ro romantic relationship between the two men. I believe that is some teaching that comes from the devil himself. It's demonic teaching. It's not biblical. It has no biblical basis. This relationship from jo between Jonathan and David was not a fleshly relationship. It was a spiritual relationship. It says their souls were knit together. There was a connection between them of a deep love that I believe that we can find in Jesus Christ and a greater love in Jesus in knowing him. They were knit together. David and Jonathan, they saw something in each other. Their eyes were open to something. I believe they were both men of faith. Now, David, he'd just come from this great victory, hadn't he? I mean, he put his faith out there where all the other Israelites were trembling and their knees were knocking as they saw Goliath appear before them. But David believed and trusted God. He had faith in God to bring the victory. There's a man who had a faith in God. Jonathan wasn't much different. He has somebody who believed and trusted in God to come through for him. We read in, in uh, 1 Samuel, I think, chapter 14, of Jonathan's similar experience where they were, went out to attack the Philistines. The Philistines were camping out in one camp. And, uh, and the Israelites were in another, and, and Jonathan was there with his armor bearer, and he says to his armor bearer one day, you know what, if, if God really is for us, then he doesn't need a great army to bring victory. If he's going to bring victory, he'll bring it even if it's through one man. And he made the decision, he said to his armor bearer, explained it to him, his armor bearer said, I'm with you, Jonathan. And he went out on his own, and he brought victory in the midst of an army, attacked the Philistines. He destroyed, I think, 20 men. And then the rest of Saul's army came in and they brought great victory. God brought them the victory. He was a man of faith. And I love it when there are people that come into my life or, able, or have the opportunity to come into other people's lives to encourage their faith. I love what it says of Joshua and Caleb. You know, where those 12 spies went out, 10 came back, said, oh, trembling again. They said, we can't do this. They're like, we're like grasshoppers in the sight of the people. And the Canaanites, and then Joshua and Caleb says they were of a different spirit. I love that. They had a spirit of faith, a spirit of determination, a spirit that said, God can do this. Surely we can do this with God. If God has made a promise, he will come through for us. They had this different spirit from the rest of the others. 
And I believe we find that in David and Jonathan. They were of a different spirit. There was a a same spirit in terms of they had a faith and a trust in God. And God began to stir something within them. There was a bond between them. I believe as Jonathan looked at David's life, maybe he saw something on David that he once saw in his father Saul. He saw that anointing that used to rest upon Saul's life. Of the Holy Spirit. And now he saw the Holy Spirit with that anointing, same anointing resting now upon David. He saw something of God in David's life. And he does something interesting. We just read. There was a bond between them. There's this connection between them. But then he says he does something interesting. He takes off his robe and his armor and gives him his sword and his bow and places that on David. Now remember, he is a prince, but he's not just a prince, he's the crown prince. In other words, he's the next one to take the line of descendant for Saul. So he's the next king in line. But he does this interesting thing where he says, which is actually a very honorable thing for David. And he takes off his armor, he takes off his robe, and he places it on David. And this is what what I see in this. He saw something in David of the anointing of God and the calling and purposes of God. I believe a true friend will see something in you, or you will see something in somebody else of God in their life. And not only will you see it, but you will invest into their lives, and you invest into that calling, and want to support and see the very best come into their life. The tendency of the nature of us is to get jealous when we see somebody else has a calling, or a purpose, or begins to get victory and excel. We can get jealous in our hearts. But Jonathan refused to get jealous And he made a prophetic statement by giving him his robe and his armor. He was in a sense saying, you're the next in line to be king. He was in tune with God. Wow, how that would have been for David to receive this. For somebody to acknowledge something in his life. He'd been rejected by his father. He'd been rejected by his brothers. He'd been doubted by Saul and and others around them before he went out to defeat the, the Goliath. But now here is somebody who sees something in David's life. He invests into his life. He doesn't get jealous over his life. He doesn't get controlling over his life that he's experienced before. But somebody who saw something. Don't we need Jonathans in our life? I'm so grateful for the people that have come into my life over the years. And when there's been challenges and when there's been difficulties, they spoke the right word in the right season. They've got alongside me and they've walked with me. And we've shared there's been a a like, like spirit. And I've been that for other people as well. I'm sure I hopefully I've been that for others too. David was about to face an even greater battle in his life. He defeated Goliath, but that was a quick victory. He chopped off his head and that was it. That was the end of Goliath. But he had a bigger battle to face. As Saul was, a, was, a, was about, this King Saul was about all that jealousy and anger began to rage in Saul's life later on as he ends up chasing after David for a number of years. So David now has to endure hardship in his life. He couldn't deal with Saul the same way he dealt with Goliath because he was God's anointed. He had to honor what God had placed before him. But nonetheless, you know, he trusted God. And God placed a Jonathan in his life. And David became an encouragement to Jonathan as much as Jonathan was to David. I love what it says in, in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Isn't it wonderful? You know when when another friend comes along and they they sharpen your faith, they challenge your faith, they encourage your faith, they see things in you, they they, they motivate you and recognize things in your life. 
you sharpen one another. And what we see here is this sharpening and this connection between David and Jonathan. That David and Jonathan's life became fruitful because of their relationship that they had. It became fruitful in God. And I believe that we need people around us who will be, who carry that same spirit that Jonathan and David had of faith, of love, of loyalty, of stickability, of commitment. There was a deep love between them, of friendship. Jesus said, there's no greater love than this than that for a man to lay down his life for his friends. And when I look at their life, as you look through the journey of their life, we haven't got time to look at every single passage of David and Jonathan's life, but you look at their life, how they were willing to lay down their life for each other, to fight on the battlefield, to stand by one another. There was a loyalty, there was a friendship, there was a love that actually, I believe, went deeper than the type of friendship love this world knows. It was something that was pure and of God. You know, we can all have friends. We can know people, we can socialize, we can have friendship, we can have fun together. But when there is a connection that is in God, it becomes far much more greater and, and, and you know, a greater level of friendship than you can ever know. There comes a bond that comes something spiritual in God. Maybe you've had prayer partners in your life, people that have prayed through things. And I don't know about you, haven't you found that prayer has connected you to somebody or some situations in a way that other things haven't? Because there's a bond of the Spirit of God. As it said, the Holy Spirit, he, he knits us together. He unites us as a church. And he can unite us with friends with one another. There's a friendship there. David and Jonathan had a real heart of friendship that I believe that was anointed in God. The friendship was there and it was touched of God. He gave him his armor. He gave him his belt. He stood by him. And then we read that Saul had sent David off into the battlefield. He put him in charge over, over his, his arm, his, 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 uh, his, his men of war. So then we read the story now of David. The journey begins to unfold. And it says that David showed integrity. He showed loyalty to Saul. You, know, you just look at David's heart. I mean, he's got Saul who begins to, 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 to come against him and begins to have anger and is tormented. His emotions are all over the place. And yet David continues to show loyalty and faithfulness to Saul because he wanted to be faithful to God. You know, when others around us aren't even faithful to us or maybe they let us down, they break trust, continue to show loyalty as though you're showing it to God. Our honor must always go ultimately to God. We can honor God through the way that we treat one another. And one day David came back, we read in 1 Samuel chapter, uh, chapter 18, that Samuel and uh, that Saul, Saul had come, sorry, Saul and David and uh, the men had come back from their, their, back, their, their war and had a tremendous victory. And it says that these women came out and they began to sing these songs. Verse, verse 8 says this, then Saul came very angry, um, sorry, verse Verse 6, and it happened they were coming when David returned from killing the Philistine. The women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet Saul with tambourines, with joy and musical instruments. The women sang and they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul became very angry for this saying displeased him. So he came back from the victory and they started this song with the tambourines and the dance and it was all going a tremendous celebration and Saul probably having a big smile on his face. And he heard the first line of the verse saying, Saul has killed his, his, his thousands. Thought, wow, thank you. Yes, I have. And then he heard, but David has killed his ten thousands. 
Instead of rejoicing over David's victories, jealousy began to rage within his heart. And then we read how now this just continues to increase in his life. And we find that now David, who we remember, if you, if you remember a few weeks back, we looked about David being the heart of worship, how he played the harp, and, and that ministry of his music began to release Saul from that, that tormenting spirit upon his life. So now we read when David begins to play the harp, then instead of the tormenting spirit leaving Saul, that the spirit of jealousy and anger and rage begins to build up within Saul's life. He takes a hold of the spear and thrusts it at David to try and pin him against the wall. I tell you, if we do not deal with the bitterness and the jealousy within our hearts, it will only grow with us as we grow older. And then any opportunity for it to take root in our life and the enemy to take a root and try and get a hold of that, he will take it. We need to constantly be dealing with our hearts and keep a short account with God. Don't allow bitterness and, and jealousy and anger to take root in your heart. It will only grow and fester as it did with Saul, sadly. It says that he wanted to kill David. David, this loyal man. Just, just, just read verse 30. It says of David, the commanders of the Philistines went out to battle, and it happened as often as they went out. David behaved himself more wisely than all the servants of Saul, so his name was highly esteemed. Saul wanted his name to be esteemed, but David had his name esteemed. See that humility of David. I mean, David didn't go out and start promoting himself, look at the victories I've done. He didn't need to. He just had to walk humbly with integrity. And it said he behaved himself better than anyone else. He lived a life of integrity, of honor, and God exalted him. But yet Saul wanted him dead. The next verse says that Saul told his son Jonathan that he wanted David to die. He wanted to put him to death. And it says that Jonathan delighted in David. I tell you, it's wonderful when somebody delights in you, isn't it? You know, when somebody takes delight in you, they take pleasure in your life. And uh, I, I, I've been so humbled this week by different people that I've spoken to. And they're, they're, there's, uh, some people may remember a lady named Hilda Lowe, who used to attend here. Sadly, her son recently passed away, but I went to visit the family this weekend and began to hear the stories of, of how John had just showed constant love for the children and the grandchildren. That whatever achievement he, they, they'd had, whether it be a spelling test or whether it be something else, he would celebrate those victories. He took delight in his family. You know, the Bible says that Jesus, that God takes delight in us. He delights in those who fear him. The word Hepzibah means the one in whom God delights. Know today that you can find, maybe you won't find delight in other people, but you can find delight in Jesus. He'll delight over you. He'll take pleasure in your life. I tell you, there's no one greater to have someone delight over me than Jesus Christ. It said that Jonathan delighted in David. He loved being around him. And then it says that when Saul wanted to kill David, that Jonathan, he spoke well of David. It goes on to, to Saul and just says about how innocent David had been, how he hadn't done anything wrong, and, and how, how faithful he had been to, to, to Saul in his life. He spoke well of him. How important it is that we speak well of one another. If you want to grow in your friendship, speak well of your friends. Let's not gossip or get into a, an attitude of, of pulling them down or being negative about people. Speak well of one another. Look at the best of them. Draw out the best. Speak well of them. But not only speak well of others, how well do you speak of Jesus? 
Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you. If you're ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. But if we acknowledge him, he will say in that day, won't he? He will say, well done. He will say that well word, well done, good and faithful servant. I want God to speak well of my life. But how important we must speak well of, of Jesus. So he speaks well of David. And then we find in chapter 19 again, that, that David comes again, now probably within, with trepidation, as he comes before Saul and begins to play the harp again. As before, twice I think we read of in, in chapter 18, where Saul had thrust the, the, the spear at David's life to kill him, to pin him against the wall. So David now comes to play the harp. Verse 9, it says, There was an evil spirit from the Lord and Saul, and he was sitting in his house with the spear in his hand. And when David was playing the harp with his hand, verse 10, Saul tried to pin David to, to the wall with a spear, but he slipped away out of his Saul's presence. There it is again. Let me just say this. How important it is that we watch our hearts and we watch our lives. David, remember, David carried an anointing upon his life. The one who used to play and bring a soothing to, soul, to Saul's soul on his life released him from that oppression of that, 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 that tormenting spirit upon his life. Now, when he begins to play, instead of being released, he gets anger in his heart and throws the spear at David. The one in whom he once saw and saw the freedom breakthrough in his life now is rejected. And now the same anointing that rests upon David, isn't, Saul isn't seeing the same response. I want to say this, if we do not receive those who carry the anointing upon their life, we will miss out on the anointing which they carry. Jesus said, a prophet without, is without honor except in his own town. You receive a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. Jesus couldn't do any miracles in his hometown because they just saw a carpenter's son. They didn't see a prophet or a messiah. So therefore, they missed out on that anointing upon his life. Now Saul could no longer receive the anointing of David upon his life because his heart was bent on evil towards David. Even though David carried that same anointing upon him, he was bad. Saul remained bound and couldn't experience it. When we reject others, it's, that's why it's so important we receive the preachers, we receive the evangelists, we receive the prophets, we receive those that God sends to you in, your, in, in his name. And in receiving them, we can receive the blessing by which they bring. Let's guard our hearts against getting arrogant and pride and bitter towards people. Because we might miss out on what God wants to do in our life through them. And as we continue to read through, we haven't got time to go through chapter 20. But you see that David now is on the run from Saul. His life is spent on the run. As he escapes from Saul's presence, he's on the run. But praise God, there is Jonathan. I praise God because there is Jesus. We may not always have a Jonathan in our life, but there'll always be a Jesus. Jonathan died at some point in David's life, but there was always God. He could always turn to God and find God as his strength, as his shield. He didn't live in a place of mourning, of bitterness, of, of hurt in his own life, but he turned to Jesus, he turned to God, and he found his strength and hope in God. So there may be a season of Jonathan. You may be a season of Jonathan in somebody's life, or a season of David in somebody's life. But always remember to put your trust, not just in the Jonathan, but ultimately in God. As the anger rose within Saul and he wanted David dead, 
Jonathan stood by David again and again and again. And during a time when they met together to make a plan to see whether Saul was against David or not, it says that they came up with this covenant. And I just want to read this to you. Because I see something here that I, I, I feel such a blessing for us. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 14. Said, Jonathan says, If I am still alive, you will, not show, will you not show the loving kindness of the Lord that I may not die? You, you, may, you shall not cut off your loving kindness from my house forever, nor even when the Lord cuts off every one from the enemies of David and the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord require it at the hands of David's enemies. And Jonathan made, a, made David vow again because of his love for him, because he loved him as he loved his own life. See, this love that David and Jonathan were experiencing, this deep spiritual love that they had, Jonathan says, I want to make a covenant that, that not only will I carry on, but it will carry on into my household. It will carry on into my family. It will carry on into the sense of, David, I want them too to experience the love that you have for me and that loving kindness. You know what I find this in God? As we begin to know and experience God's loving kindness, it will overflow into our family's life, into other people's lives as well. Don't just wait for your husband or your wife or your children or your, or your friends or your relatives just to experience God's love. You experience it in your life and let it flow out into other people's lives as well. You know what God says? He said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, on my children, on, my, on your children, and your children's children, and your children's children, and all who are far off. It was something that flowed out. God wants to pour out his loving kindness, not just on you, but on your household and your families. It's not just for you. Obed-Edom's household was all blessed. The Philippian jailer, you and your household shall be saved. God is an abundant God. And he loves his children. And his love doesn't rest and remain with you, but wants to flow out into your homes, into your household, into your neighborhood, into those that you're with. I love that about God. And Jonathan said, I want it for others. And we see that later on at another time. Maybe we'll look at that. How, God, how David fulfills his promise to Jonathan. Jonathan remained loyal to David. He stood by him in the toughest times of his life. Just turn to chapter 21. Verse, sorry, chapter 23, verse 15. Now David was, was running for his life. And while David was in the wilderness of Ziph in Horesh, verse 15, and Jonathan saw son arose and went to David in Horesh and encouraged him in God. Thus he said to him, do not be afraid because the hand of Saul, my father, will not find you and you will be king over Israel and I will be next to you. And, my Saul, and Saul, my father, knows that also. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord and David stayed at Horesh, Horesh while Jonathan went to his house. See what's happening there, David now realizes that Saul, again, is after his life. He's in hiding. They know Saul is coming. His life's on the fret. His life's on the line. And it says, Josh, um, sorry, uh, Jonathan, something stirs within Jonathan. He said, I've got to get up, and I've got to go and encourage my friend David. You know, there's sometimes in your life, and you will begin, as you walk with God, you walk in the Spirit of God, you begin to have those niggles, and you say, I've just got to go and encourage so-and-so. I've got to go and encourage my friend. He needs some word of encouragement in the Lord right now. Listen to the Spirit of God because he will use you to be that encouragement. Jonathan was so in tune with God 
And he got up, he arose, and went and found David, and it said he encouraged him in the Lord. I love that. He didn't just tell him what he wanted to hear. He didn't please his flesh. He encouraged him in God. He said, keep going, David. Saul is not going to get you. You're going to be on the throne one day, and when you're on the throne, I'm going to be right there next to you. He didn't say, you're going to be next to me when I'm on the throne. I'm right there next to you. You see that loyalty, the love he had. That's what love does. When you have love for somebody, you want the best for them. You want to invest into their life. You want to stand by them. It's not what you can get from them. It's what you can put into their life. And so often we want what we can get from people. We're friends with people because what we can get out of them and what they can give me. A true friend will be somebody who says, what can I put into your life? What can I invest into your life without any holds barred? And when we look at the life of Jonathan and David, we see loyalty. But when we look at that in comparison to the love of Jesus Christ as a friend that we can find in him, it is far deeper and far greater in Jesus Christ. Let me just close with looking at the life of Jesus and we're going to come around the table together. Jesus said to his disciples, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. He said to them, if you love me and obey my commands, you are my friends. Now, he wasn't saying, if you do what I say, then you can be my friends. It wasn't some manipulative talk that Jesus was saying. He was saying, by your love for me, I will see that you will obey me. Because you love me, you'll do what I ask. Because you love for me, you can see I want the best for your life. And in doing so, you'll know the friendship of God upon your life. Psalm 25 verse 14 says, Friendship is reserved for those who fear him, and the secret of his covenant is made known. God will unveil his secrets, the mysteries. There's something within friendship. When you're close to somebody, you know about that person that maybe nobody else will know. And Jesus had his 77, whatever, 70 disciples. He had his 12 and he had his three. The 12 knew quite a lot about Jesus, but the three... There was, there was intimacy, there was closeness, there was things they knew about Jesus that others didn't quite know. But there was a closeness. And God wants us to have a friendship that is a level of closeness with him, in him. And he said, I will make things known from the Father to you because you're my friends. His friendship went to the cross. And just look at this. Jesus' friendship goes beyond a friendship love. When Peter had denied Jesus... He was, it says, you know, and, and, and he said, I'll, never die, I'll die for you, Jesus. I'll give my life for you, Jesus. And then Jesus went to the cross and he denied him three times. And then after the cross, Jesus rose from the dead. He came and found Peter and, and he saw him and he saw his, the shame and the guilt that Peter would have felt in his life. And he says to Peter, he says, Peter, do you love me? And he says that word, do you agape me? Do you love me with that sacrificial love? Would you still die for me? Do you love me enough to die for me, Peter? And Peter says, Jesus, you know that I love you with that brotherly friendship love. And he asked him again, Jesus, Peter, do you love me with agape love? Would you still die for me? And Peter says, Jesus, you know that I love you with a friendship love. You know. See, Peter now realized that he didn't love Jesus as much as he would like to have done. Or he thought he did. And some of you and me, we, we love Jesus, but now we realize maybe we don't love him as much as we would hope we would have. But Peter did realize this. That Jesus loved him. Now listen to this. Jesus loved him more than he could ever love Jesus. Jesus went to the cross 
for him and gave his life. He paid a sacrificial death. He gave his life for his friends. There's no greater love than this for a man to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus demonstrated the greatest form of love for Peter. Peter knew that he could never love Jesus as much as Jesus loved him. And we too must know, no matter how much we love Jesus, we'll never love him as much as he loves us. And Peter, he asked him that third time, do you love me, Peter? Do you filio me? Do you love me with a friendship love then, Peter? And Peter says, you know, I love you with a friendship, brotherly love. He said, well, then feed my sheep. In other words, you love me the best you can. And later on, Peter died on a cross, upside down on a cross, because he didn't consider himself worthy to die the same way Jesus did. And he gave his life because he loved him with a greater love than he first did. I want to say to you today, maybe you feel you don't love Jesus as much as you could. Maybe your love for Jesus, maybe not on that friendship level. But love him the best you can and he will take you on the journey and he will reveal his love for you in a deeper way than you could ever know.